Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. Brought to you by myself, Diana Bang, and the lovely Grace Hill. From fashion, beauty, and homeware, Diana and I will cover industry topics and shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. How are you, Grace? How is life? It's fine. It's fine. I guess, you know, another exciting week in the world of 2020. But yeah, no, still watching Selling Sunset. There was like absolute hysteria in the office. Well, not in the office physically, but on our Slack group. Christine Quinn from Selling Sunset liked a report that we did on Instagram on Selling Sunset Trends. So covering all that kind of bodycon style and and blazers that we're seeing all of those beautiful realtors wearing. So that was pretty cool. I'm obsessed with her. She's always so immaculate and just on point. I want my life to be like that post COVID. Maybe even now I should be doing that. Have you seen her Instagram captions? She's hilarious. No, I'm going to watch this one of her being like, I like my men old and bald or old and ugly because I look better next to them and I was like oh my god I feel like she would be very good at what we're what's happening right now with the power of six where we're having to decide who our yeah. friends are I feel like Christine wouldn't even bat an eyelid she would know exactly who they are and wouldn't be worried about if you were the seventh friend you'd be absolutely <laughs> cutthroat it would uh <laughs> you'd not be invited I know. I feel like people are getting so worried, obviously, because Christmas is coming up. And obviously, it's the time when people want to spend it with their friends and family. And if we're stuck to this rule of six, like, how are we going to, how is that going to work? How are you finding it? I have my birthday coming up. So I canceled it at first. I wasn't going to think you're not doing anything. But then I thought maybe I could do groups of people just have a really long birthday, you know, why not? I have multiple events. <laughs> but Grace, yes, yeah, so what are we talking about on today's episode? Well, today we're going to be speaking about how streaming platforms set worldwide pop culture phenomenons and trends. So think Netflix and chill, Hulu, Amazon Prime, like everything you've seen and how that influences the products and the clothes that you guys are buying and wearing today. On today's podcast, we have our very own Heather Iberson, retail analyst here at Edited. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. We haven't seen you in ages. How have you been these past seven months? I know, seven months. Gosh, I've been good. It's crazy to think that we we left our office. I left like a cactus on my desk and loads of other things because I was like, this is just going to be a couple of weeks and we'll be back. (laughs) So God knows when they send me my package, what I've got left from my desk I think there's like random shampoos probably not my cactus it's probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been good it's definitely a new adjustment though <laughs> I, I know it's so funny isn't it because I remember when we got told obviously like even before lockdown uh, edited we like worked from home before that for mm-hmm. extra precaution and I remember thinking oh my God, like two weeks away, like what the hell am I going to do working from home? And now it's like seven months later. I can't believe how much time has passed. Yeah, no, I think I left a few like cereal bars, which is highly illegal in edited terms in my drawers. So yeah. (laughs) I'm really worried because the ops team have moved our stuff to their office and we have, I have no idea what I have in my drawer what they're going to find. I don't remember what I left. Well, you obviously kind of missed it too much. (laughs) You can't remember. But Heather, for our listeners, I think it'd be so good to understand more about your role at Edited. 
Yes, yeah, so I'm on the analyst team at Edited, and the analyst team are responsible for all of the articles that our customers can see in retail reports. And also currently, uh, runway season has just started, so also the runway section of our app as well. But we all kind of have like specialties on our team, so I suppose my areas that I cover are like the social media side and the influencer side. So we do a weekly report called The Social Snapshot, which is quite new, and that kind of covers everything like social media news and influencer-led. And also, quite excitingly, we launched our beauty verticals recently. So I've been overseeing, like taking our reports for beauty, making, yeah, kind of building out that area and how we can tailor our reporting to our new beauty customers, which is super exciting. And I'm quite a big beauty nerd. So that's been really <laughs> to get my teeth into. Well, as you can see on the YouTube video, your makeup is looking perfect and also the mobile app as well I guess for any of our listeners if you don't know we've actually just launched that recently so all the reports you can find on there so Heather tell us more about how consumers are kind of digesting popular culture in 2020 we know it's such an unusual year everybody's staying at home so yeah talk us through that yeah, it's super interesting, sort of the way in which, you know, like worldwide, because it's been such a worldwide pandemic that we've all really shifted where we're getting our news from, how we're digesting popular culture, you know, we have a lot of events cancelled, a lot of things went online and, you know, retailers and brands across all industries really had to think about how they were going to turn physical events into digital events and how, especially for retailers and brands, like how are they going to keep up this conversation and dialogue with their audience online so I mean it's crazy to think that it's been like pretty much half a year already and so in sort of part of that I guess the discussion of what we're talking about we've seen such a rise in streaming services and you know the increase in downloads and viewership and there's some great statistics out there on this too so in the UK Britain's reportedly spent 40% of their waking hours watching TV during the height of the pandemic which I was definitely a part of that number and streaming platforms saw 12 million new signups so that's some services like your Netflix Amazon Prime and you know we also saw that across social media as well I think TikTok passed like 2 billion downloads in April, which is huge. So just a lot more time being spent online. And, you know, it's a similar story in the US as well. A research company found that 75% of Americans are watching more streaming content than ever before. So it's a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, especially for retailers and brands to get on board with, with pop culture news. And I think it really, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of retailers and brands are quite unsure of what to post in the beginning. I think we saw a lot of Instagram accounts stop posting for a bit because I think you, you wanted to really find that balance between being able to speak about what was happening and connect to your audience on a more personal level, which I think was something quite new that we haven't seen before because, you know, usually brands really want to emulate this idea of aspirational you know yeah, I guess. That's the word aspirational like they really wanted to you know give out this elevated imagery on their Instagram but you know now they were trying to find a way to navigate being relatable with their audience and speak to what was going on but I think we can all agree that even though it's been such a terrible year you know in to be honest that we kind of got a bit of fatigue overseeing all of this content around COVID so you know in what ways could brands and retailers speak to their audience on something new and I think one of these ways was by pinning a lot of their content, especially their social media content, around some of these shows that gained such high popularity during the mm-hmm. pandemic, you know. So 
of course, we talked about this before on the podcast, like Tiger King was so big and, you know, Top Spot were making really witty references on their Instagram captions. And, you know, they could really like hang the new season trends on the back of these TV shows. So like the return of Leopard Print obviously fit in really well with Tiger King and it kind of like refreshed this trend for the customer. So yeah, I think, you know, we're getting a lot of our references, a lot of our new season trends, you know, and obviously, especially with Runway being really up in the air for inspiration you know retailers were really starved of like where do I look for like the next season trends where do I look for you know what's going to be big the next big influencers the next big color print and I think a lot of that recently has been found on these streaming platforms so yeah it's interesting with the streaming platforms because my mom before the pandemic had never used Netflix and didn't know how to use it and was just like I'm sorry it's not working but with those 12 million new signups you mentioned I'm sure she's one of them because now she just uses it at ease and it's great but brands a Netflix viewer I mean she's hysterical (laughs) like she's got it on her smart tv I think that's the only thing she knows how to do is like turn on Netflix and turn it on but yeah especially with you know keep talking about TikTok because I'm obsessed and I know that's more social media than streaming but you know when TikTok first came out it was a lot of the younger users on there a lot of your Gen Z's but you know you've seen that shifted slowly and I think when you see a shift to viewership on a platform becoming a bit more older you know becoming more of your millennials and you know then your mum and your grandparents start watching it I think that's when you know that something is really hitting off in the mainstream so it's not just you know the Netflix and chillers watching Netflix Mm -hmm. it's really something that all retailers can get involved in and they should really be you know looking to these sites as well for their customers whether they're young or old because yeah that viewership really has changed yeah because that's what I was going to ask why is it that streaming services in particular have become so much more important during the pandemic? Why is it streaming that has like come through as a winner? Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of obvious, I guess, when you think about it, but, you know, a lot of the things that we could do, theatres were closed. So, you know, where were the people who used to go to the theatres getting their entertainment, getting their movies from? There was a lot of delays in movie releases, and I think a lot of them went onto sites such as Disney+. Plus. So even though it seems like a bad dream, you know, like when we were talking about in the beginning, like there was a period in the UK and other parts of the world where... We couldn't leave our house, you know, I mean, apart from once a day in the UK, I think it was, but there really wasn't anything for anyone else to do. And like, especially when you're thinking about those that were furloughed, obviously, you know, a lot of us were also lucky to keep our jobs and work from home, but there are a lot of people who also weren't in that position. And, you know, what are you going to do when you're spending 24 seven indoors? So I think the appeal of streaming services is really that idea of escape again you know the idea that I personally never ever watched the news on tv I know a lot of people probably are quite surprised at that but I just I I can't watch it I, I feel like I know the news that I need to do and watching anything on the tv just seems yeah I don't know does it put me in a good headspace and I think a lot of people you know when you go to your tv you're constantly being fed the news and I think at the time like it was it was quite a lot to take in and I think people wanted to move away from the anxieties that were being brought up around the news and find more content in this case films that was like a bit of an escape and something that they could be totally immersed in like you know binge culture is so big on sites like Netflix. You don't have to wait for the next episode to come out. You just watch the entire series in one go, which is what I did with Selling Sunset. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. No, but I think it makes total sense, right? Like I didn't really think about it. Like that was one of the reason that these services have been so important is because that was one of the only things that people could really digest in terms of popular culture. And it's like available to the masses. And as you said, it like, you know, caters to all different demographics. So, you know, it was prime opportunity and even more so now for retailers to tap into. So I think, I guess that leads us on nicely to our next question is what are the different opportunities across these channels for brands and retailers to kind of leverage and maximize? I think it's so exciting this question because there's just so many different opportunities. So we're going to a few. (laughs) Obviously, I think we've already spoke about like the connection between social media and, you know, relating that back to these trends that are happening on these streaming services. So For instance, I think the Bird Box Challenge on TikTok, which wasn't actually created by um, the Bird Box creators as such. It was created by a YouTuber called Morgan Adams, I believe. She posted it on a YouTube channel and it really took off on TikTok. So I think the hashtag on TikTok has over like 11 million views already for all the videos and that hashtag. But yeah, actually quite funny. Netflix released a whole statement being like, do not do this challenge. We do not have But I think, you know, apps like TikTok have become so important recently for the music industry. It's a way in which like artists are really promoting their own music and these record labels are, you know, specifically saying to these artists, you need to work, you know, their marketing teams are working directly with TikTok in order to promote new music. And I think it's going to be a really similar story for like the film industry too, and especially those who want to Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're saying it's such a diverse audience, but in particular for that younger audience, being able to attract them. So currently on TikTok at the moment, there's this Disney princess challenge. And um, this is where users are dressing up as like their favorite Disney stars. And I think when you think about upcoming movies such as Mulan, which has actually just released on Disney Plus, like this would have been a great opportunity for them to do like some marketing campaign where they actually put their own money behind it and help to create that hype and awareness around that release. So one video alone under this like trending sound, which is called Mad at Disney, has seen over 33 million views. And it's just crazy the amount of yeah viewership that you can get on these platforms. And I think that similarly with how the music industry is working with TikTok and social media sites to promote newness. I think this would also be something that the film industry could definitely tap more into as well. Another way, I think obviously we've, I mean, everyone's probably sick of hearing the term loungewear. I know that we kind of, (laughs) we're kind of like, oh my God, loungewear again, but it's just not going anywhere. And obviously Netflix and chill, you're sitting in your sweats and your bed watching a bit of Netflix. I know that when we first went into lockdown, I purchased a ton of loungewear because I just didn't have any. And I was like, I'm sitting in all day at home. Like, this is something that I'm going to invest in. And searches within our own edited platform were up by like over 800% over the mm-hmm. last six months looking for loungewear. So, you know, re- retailers are really keen to make sure that they're continuing to invest, but looking for ways to like update their current offering to keep it fresh and exciting for the customers and that's kind of tied in in part, you know, the opportunities with loungewear with the rise in streaming services and it's all just, you know, Netflix and chilling, but you know, <laughs> in the, in the other way. Um. <laughs> well, I'm wearing leggings underneath now. So I'm wearing my flowery top, but. Oh, you get business on top, casual and bottom. I'm wearing joggers as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing shorts because it's so bloody hot. I'm like, I literally finally getting some like final wear out of some shorts before it gets cold for the winter. Oh, and I just had to drag out my summer wardrobe again. I put it away after my holiday. Yeah. Gosh, another heat wave. <laughs> Something we haven't spoken about, which is also quite a big opportunity, um, or as we know, and would be great to hear your insights on, is um, 
with licensed products. So I guess from your perspective, what have been the biggest licensed products that have been launched in 2020? Yeah, I mean, licensing is is such a huge area in itself. You know, I feel like it's like retail and then you've also got licensing. It's just huge. I think this year, obviously Disney. So Disney Plus launched in the UK and I think loads of people were super excited about that. You've got a lot of nostalgia from these licensed products that were coming out around Disney Plus because obviously Disney Plus is like the entire archive of Disney. So it was a really mix of like nostalgia and new. So obviously Disney Plus, like obviously has all the archives. I know me and Diana are both huge Lion King fans. So <laughs> good to see that. But we also saw like Mickey Mouse and that was at both Gucci and at Zara. So how are luxury brands and mass brands both pursuing the same license? Because in my opinion, that seems to contradict the nature of luxury and kind of exclusivity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is super interesting that something is kind of pretty much the exact same print that is being used on both mass market and luxury brands. But especially when you think of someone like Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse is so iconic that I think it gives it that versatility to like span both of these markets. And, you know, luxury brands kind of over the past few years have been showing like this increased interest in licensing on the runway. So think about people like Bobby Abley, for instance, is is always doing like really interesting cartoon licenses like Pokemon. Um, I think that was at his fall 2019 show. And I think while this may seem like a contradiction to like aspirational ideas of luxury I think such aesthetics really resonate with customers like the Gucci Mickey Mouse collab was just everywhere and I remember I remember going to Westfield and seeing queues outside this I'm sure there's always queues outside Gucci store but in particular you know it was when this collaboration had just launched so I think you know people really get excited about it and the idea of having a Gucci bag with you know your icon not your icon but you know an iconic figure like Mickey Mouse on it is really quite exciting like even though you can buy it at H&M like you can buy it with a Gucci logo on it I think that just gives it that extra sort of um and I think mass brands you know maybe more reactive to other influencers that would encourage licensing like so you know they'll probably do a lot more around licensing whereas for Gucci it was specifically you know Mickey Mouse and like that iconic Mickey Mouse print. Do you think they're more reactive because obviously they're aware of like film releases and things like that that are coming out, so they're able to then tap into that? Is that kind of where you see mass having that opportunity to maximize licensing? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, being reactive and knowledgeable on what the upcoming film releases or the anniversaries are and making sure that you react to that market. You know, obviously licensing is huge in kids' wear in particular for all of those releases. And so I think that with licensing, you have to have, you know, there's a bigger period of time in which you need to be able to get the licensing. So you have to be ahead of it. You have to make sure that you have probably, you know, a team dedicated to making sure that you're getting the, you know, you're aware of the upcoming film releases and it requires a lot of work really to make sure that you're on top of that all year round. So yeah, particularly in kids where especially it's super important for those retailers. Yeah, because what are the what are some of the key moments that you would link licensing to throughout the year or also just throughout time? Are there any key events that stand out that retailers and brands should think of? Yeah, from like previously, I think it was recently Super Mario's 35th anniversary. So when you think about, you know, big anniversaries like the 10th, the 20th of such X 
release coming out, you know, they're really important ones to look out for that might be forgotten. They're not especially new releases, but it's a time to sort of revive that excitement around those films. I think with the Gucci one, if I'm right, it was the Chinese New Year that spurred that collaboration. So, you know, even the Chinese market, especially in Chinese luxury, that was huge for them. And that was a really good luxury way to tap into that. Obviously, with the launch of Disney Plus for more Disney licensing, you know, being aware of what new streaming platforms are coming out, where shows are being placed, where there's like a revival, for instance. So, you know, Gossip Girls being revived. I think even the Powerpuff Girls is being revived, you know, and there's so many good like nostalgia nuggets in there that you can bring back from those films. I think millennials are always super, we're all over anything nostalgic. So, you know, Friends anniversary, for instance, you know, when is that coming up? When can you tap into bringing out some more Friends merch? And I think, you know, retailers would do well not to miss a trick by harnessing some of this hype around the launch and promoting product. It doesn't necessarily even have to be that you're licensing and it could be that you're looking at the key trends from, say, Gossip Girl. So, you know, instantly I'm thinking of like the short skirts, the checked patterns, the headbands. I'm also thinking of like the dark academia rise that's currently going on on TikTok and how it taps into those influences on a similar note with kind of Harry Potter and, you know, all these ways in that they kind of weave into each other with current trends, especially with what we see on social media. I think those kind of key moments are yeah, ones to look out for. So Heather, you've obviously mentioned like product opportunities, like the rise of loungewear and like tiger and leopard print off the back of Tiger King and obviously the last dance or the nineties and sports mm-hmm. revivals and, and, and TikTok challenges. But how about collaborations between brands and retailers and obviously the shows? Yeah, I think this is a huge opportunity that is perhaps even from at least my knowledge, it's retailers aren't jumping on it as much yet. I don't know, you know, perhaps there's some reason behind that. But when you think about the success of Love Island, there's quite an obvious example of a brand working super closely with a TV show in order to promote product. You know, I think that's just so innovative. You know, they created their own app where you can instantly shop your favorite looks from the app and most of them did see sellout after being worn on the show and I even found like a dedicated site called shop you tv which <laughs> is like a blog site and it's updated uh-huh. really. so you can shop looks from your favorite shows or your reality stars and I think you know there's definitely like you know how you have instagram pages of like Hailey Bieber's model looks or something mm-hmm. you know these like fan accounts that are completely dedicated to finding you know where she wore this outfit and I think it's kind of a bit outdated like I know the Daily Mail used to do I don't know if they still do things like you know shop your favorite celebrities look on their on their pages but um, it's something that's kind of been around for a while but I think in terms of directly working with the film to promote product on it in the same way that I saw it first in the violin did there's definitely a huge you know room there for collaboration and opportunity and I think it would be you know super successful and I think it'd be more interesting to see, you know, high street affordable brands doing that with film, film companies rather than, you know, usually a stylist, which I think we'll get onto a bit, a bit later, a stylist will, you know, work with a brand and they'll use designer looks such as, you know, Killing Eve. And there was that gorgeous Molly Goddard dress in there. But I think actually when the viewership is a lot more younger, like I think a lot of success would come from working with more high street brands because, you know, it's affordable. They can buy it instantly. You could create an app, you know, a web page, promote on your social media and see sort of instant sellouts. So, you know, and even like, could you have a discount code 
in the show promoted or something like it sounds super out there but I think anything that sounds out there we end up seeing you know who thought that you could just instantly buy a bikini from your favorite person on Love Island from the telly like it seems so normal now but there's a lot of scope I think for innovation and I think brands who will get there first and figure out a way to do it. I'm going to see a lot of success from it just from being the first. And, you know, in regards to like Love Island, again, just really missing <laughs> the show. <laughs> These reality stars are becoming like the new influencers. And we've seen that over the past few years. People are going on the show for work, like they want this to be their career. And in the same way, I think, you know, what's so great about sites like Netflix is that maybe a few years ago, actors wouldn't have wanted to be on a Netflix original show because in the same way, I guess with like print magazines, you know, think about how many print magazines didn't want to go digital or even on e-commerce sites, so many luxury brands didn't want to go digital because, you know, print was seen and the actual physical store was seen as like the pinnacle of like where you should be in tradition. And now that's completely flipped in the same way with Netflix because so many, you know, stars want to be on Netflix just because of the amount of viewership that they're going to get. Like these series and films are being watched so much more on Netflix. So there's probably bigger budgets in there as well for them. And, you know, along with that, not even just household name actors, but Netflix really has given rise to this new wave of talent. So it's really giving these younger actors the opportunity to become like pretty much, you know, overnight success from when, you know, when the viewers are watching the show, like Sex Education, you know, Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. She's now working with Pandora and Grace, I know you love Paul Mescal. <laughs> my favourite. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with Paul Mescal. I'm always sending uh, Diana and his, uh, his photos from Instagram. But yeah, that, I mean, that was a Hulu show and he's become like an overnight success, right? He's everywhere. I mean, you knew about him before and now he's <laughs> him and his chain. <laughs> so, Absolutely. yeah. I was thinking what you said with the Shop View TV. Is that what it's called, Shop View TV? That was that suddenly it didn't ASOS start off as well, they were called as seen on screen. So that's how ASOS started was looks from shows. Yes. I vividly remember being shopping on ASOS and I bought this pink dress that was like a Reese Witherspoon knockoff from like Legally Blonde. And like it was basically like a picture of her with in this outfit and then you bought the thing. Like it's it's crazy how different it is to now. I'm a little too young for that. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember my older sister shopping on ASOS, but I don't remember ASOS being um, well, on TV. That's crazy. But it'd be interesting to know, and I guess as a takeaway for our listeners, what have been the biggest fashion moments as a result of streaming platforms? And I think everyone is already aware of the tiger print or leopard print from Tiger King. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's been so many moments that I can think of off the top of my head of like products that have just gone viral. I think we we already spoke a little bit about the, you know, Molly Goddard pink tulle dress that was on Killing Eve. And that image was just circulated all around social media. And I think whenever you think of Killing Eve, you think of these iconic looks that she's worn. We then off the back of that, off like the success of this pink dress that everyone was just like floored with. The H&M and Giambattista Valley dress from H&M, that collaboration that also featured that really, I think it was a mini or mini and a long pink tulle dress. I think that saw sellout as well. And then just this year, actually, H&M's come out with a very similar pink tiered dress, had like a little bit of a puff sleeve. And that's seen huge sellout as well. It was worn across a load of influencers. And, you know, it was at a really good price point. So you, you can kind of 
even see it like go down in price point, like getting filtered from the TV show, which was this design and look all the way to H&M sort of mass market version of that look off the back of its collaboration that it did. Another example, I think, of course, would be Fleabag. I think everyone loved that character and like the overall themes of that show and that scene of her like I can see it so vividly that she she stands outside the restaurant she's got this black jumpsuit that has like a keyhole detail here and she's wearing like red lipstick I think she has a cigarette in her hand and there's just, just this kind of like mood and sort of sexiness to it that I think a lot of people watching that show wanted to emulate and if I remember correctly, that came out sort of towards the end of last year. And so it was a great way for retailers to push the jumpsuit as part of, you know, their like evening wear collections for Christmas, you know, so really have a think about for retailers and brands where these products, you know, sit within like what you want to be offering, especially now as we're coming up as well to planning for Christmas season. And, you know, we're looking for what influences can we use to push products. I think it's a really fun way to have a look at, you know, what's been a big trend or moment from a TV show and and pushing that way. Because I think a lot of consumers of, you know, these streaming platforms and films, you know, you find yourself kind of like identifying a bit with some of the characters and wanting to dress like them maybe. And you want to kind of emulate some of their characteristics. So I think that's you know, social media, again, playing like a vital part in making these products go viral. Or you have your ex-boyfriend telling you that they think they're like Connell from normal people. <laughs> but men's jewellery surely has seen an absolute surge off the back of, of that or the girlfriends buying it for them. Yeah, right. Like I think at Mr. Porter men's jewellery, is that right? So like more of a more of an interest in surge in searches and sellouts off the back of that. I think off the top of my head, Gucci released a pair of like white, sort of tiny whitey shorts and a lot of people were saying that was influenced by the actor who always wears these like really super short white shorts <laughs> so um it's not confirmed but it's been you know very widely speculated <laughs> but again you know as we were saying these characters and these actors have become people of influence you know it's certainly going to be that people are looking to buy what they're wearing do you have anything more on the kind of the 90s and the streetwear with The Last Dance? I know that that was obviously a huge documentary and show for Netflix. And I know my brother has been obsessed with buying kind of like 90s Nike stuff on Depop off the back of that. I mean, particularly all I can think of when I think of The Last Dance is just like the Jordans. And, you know, I think they were already kind of bubbling up, you know, on social media. I've seen so many women's wear influencers and men, you know, they're quite a genderless trend in terms of sneakers. And, you know, then you get into the whole like sneaker culture and yeah, how popular those shoes have been on sites such as StockX and the whole resale market. So that's really iconic. And I think, again, like it's just speaking to how important nostalgia and escapism is in like driving these trends. So you can also off the back of watching, you know, the film, we were like watching these iconic scenes from basketball. And in a similar way, you can think of, I say, the UK equivalent maybe would have been like the Premier League. So, you know, when that got called off, there were a lot of YouTube was streaming, you know, really old games and that the football jersey became quite iconic. So like a lot of resale sites were seeing a surge and increase in vintage football shirts. And I think that's super interesting that people were looking to, I guess, kind of like go back to the happy days. Like that sounds really sad, but you can see these vintage shops that sell to this market. So, you know, especially in sports, such a huge area, these nostalgic tees, you know, the 90s has been around, I think, for ages in fashion. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And again, it's a new way to like pin a current trend, a nostalgic trend on something new. So it can be pinned onto the last dance and the influences of Jordan 
can also think of like what he wore to the games, like these baggy suits. Yeah, because he was obviously like basketball players are so tall and broad. Like, and then the fact that you would see like people like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, and they were wearing these baggy suits. I was like, I can't even imagine how much fabric was created to like create that look. In terms of like Jordan products specifically, and you know, obviously that's in partnership with Nike. Initially, after the release of the docu series, Tops experienced the most number of sellouts because you know it's a really accessible price point for fans to get their hands on rather than the sneakers which are obviously sold at a much higher price point and can often only be found on these resale sites mm-hmm. but where over took the number one category for Jordan product sellout since and I think you know throughout the film and that's docu-series on The Last Dance you know that that was such a big moment within it talking about the Jordan sneakers And just in terms of like overall trends that emerged for fall 2020 from the show, there are obviously like jersey cowards and the tracksuit, which has lended itself in nicely to the sort of revival of the loungewear movement. Also seeing like polo shirts and double denim and obviously the suits that we were talking about as well, in particular in some nice like brown hues. And all of this, you know, we've got loads of articles and edited that our customers can find if they are an edited customer. So, you know, definitely do some deep dives into some of our articles that we have on these shows and yeah and how you can work that into your next season assortment amazing I know so much good resource and like reports on there about the trends that have come from these shows so Heather tell us more about how stylists play a part in the growing influence of streaming platforms I know we've mentioned kind of the use of all these emit this amazing product on shows like Killing Me with the Molly Goddard dress yeah I I mean stylists are so important and probably even like underrated they're like the sort of I mean they're working behind the scenes but no one you know if you're not in the fashion industry you don't really know who they are but they're so important to you know creating these trends and getting designers names out there and you know where one stylist would be making or you know working with other designers to create dedicated costumes for the shows we're now seeing them use more designer collections to dress the cast and this is like a great promotion for designers themselves but also makes the film a lot more relatable you know for the viewer they can purchase these product themselves you know they may be seeing that product on the catwalk there's a bit of excitement around seeing it on someone on their screen their favorite actor but in particular you know I, I really wanted to highlight some great stylists who have done some great work in highlighting black brands and designers, which I think, you know, during this year has been super important and has played a big role in a lot of the films that we've seen come out recently and um, a lot of the popular series. So, you know, take for instance, Black is King. This was like the recent visual album film from Beyonce that was put on Disney+. Plus. So Beyonce worked with a stylist, Zanira Akers, and she created not just these like amazing visuals for the entire songs, but she highlighted over 70 black designers. And, you know, that was super powerful. The two of them created this directory of black owned brands on Beyonce's website. And that has served as like a fantastic resource for anyone, for both retailers who are looking to stock more of these black brands, for the consumer themselves who are looking to buy from more black owned businesses. And I think I also can't not mention Shiona Torini here, who I just absolutely love. She's the costume designer for... Insecure, I think she came on in the third series, but Insecure is such a huge series in the US. And I was listening to an interview of her where she was talking about, you know, what she wanted to bring to the show. And she really wanted to like bring the characters' stories to life through, you know, highlighting 
black designers and adding her own personal touch to the story's aesthetics. And it made it, you know, super relatable for the woman who is watching that film and series. And yeah, I think she's a great stylist. And she also worked, she worked on Beyonce's Formation video, I think, which, yeah, we can already kind of like see from how big iconic music videos like for instance I'm just thinking of WAP like the hands oh thing that Normani wore and yeah more leopard print <laughs> but you know the way that some of the style from these music videos has become so big I think in the same way we're also seeing that now as well with these films and series as well so that's great to know more about them because they're usually you know not someone that has a limelight on them yeah So you spoke about earlier about those key fashion moments. So it'd be good to understand how do you make a product go viral? Like what are the key elements that are consistent or that needs to be considered for our builders or brands that are listening to this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the million dollar question, isn't it? How do you make a product go viral? It's it's kind of like the the key to success that all out that all retailers and brands want to know and want to have a, a viral product. I think some key ones would be, you know, don't disregard influencer marketing. You know, off the back of a lot of kind of this season's hero dresses that we've seen, they've been a lot of the brands such as called Gaia and who else can I think of with Jean, they've worked with influencers, House of CB, to promote particular styles and collections. And so, yeah, definitely influencer marketing. Make sure that you're working with influencers who speak to your aesthetic. Get that product online. I also think what is really good is having a distinct print. And something that I'm kind of noticing a bit more lately is like prints becoming the new logo. So, again, I'm thinking of with Jean and there's like that green floral dress that went viral and I've seen really good sellout. And I think it's because, you, you know, you look at that dress and you instantly know who it's from and you kind of want to be a part of that group. You want to be a part of that community. Like you want to be there with Jean Girl or the Ganny Girl. So, you know, definitely making a distinctive product that is still obviously trend-led. You know, it's a floral print, but doing it in your own way. And then kind of the other two bits, you know, more on price. I think you want it to be like the sweet spot of a price. So take, for instance, the H&M pink tier dress that we spoke about earlier that's, you know, I think that was like £20. It's super affordable, but it's a way for, you know, your consumer to get designer inspired piece into their own hands and closets. And so make sure that you have like the sweet spot in pricing, you know, similarly with, I think me and, oh, it's just me, isn't it, Grace, wearing the Zara bodysuit today. But <laughs> but we've all got it. <laughs> but we've all got it. You know, that's such a viral piece because, you know, it's, it's super affordable. I think it's like twelve ninety nine or something. And it, it hits that sweet spot again of accessibility. So also within that, you know, it's super versatile. So make sure, you know, whatever product that goes viral usually is versatile, whether that's across age ranges. So, you know, it's like a really flattering shape. It's more of like a tent dress or a shift dress or whether it's versatile in that you can wear it in a lot of different ways. So the bodysuit, for instance, you can wear it with jeans, a skirt. It comes in a variety of core colors. Yeah, I think all those things are kind of key to viral success. And I know Grace and I will be very sad that we've heard the Keeping Up with the Kardashians will have its final run in 2021. <laughs> Devastated. <laughs> but, um, but what shows are, are Gen Z's gravitating towards would be good to know and what values underpin these series? Yeah, I think, you know, like for the Kardashians, I mean, you can really look to that as how important, you know, reality TV and streaming services have been influencing fashion. Like, you know, they're like the pinnacle of like the rise of the influencer and it's completely changed how we dress, you know, Kim's total glam looks and, you know, the easy influence, you know, minimalistic glam. But for Gen Z, I think it's completely different. Like I think kind of scrap 
all of that that you know about the Kardashians when you're wanting to look to Gen Z. It's just, it's a whole lot more natural. Like they're way less embarrassed about flaunting their, you know, imperfections. Like there's even beauty products to give you freckles and to, you know, the star patches for zits. They're called like star face. They're, yeah, like actually rather than buying the patches to hide your zits, very American term of <laughs> saying spots, you're actually like highlighting them. And I think they're really embracing who they are. They're a lot more silly on social media. They often have like Finster accounts for their friends where they just post daft things. I think you can see that on TikTok a lot. And I think more importantly, like they, you know, they super care about social causes and the environment. And I think, you know, if we think about shows such as Sex Education and also maybe more recently, I May Destroy You, there's such amazing series on like sexual consent, on feminism, on diversity, education, and both of those shows have got such an amazing response online and they're really resonating with a younger audience. And in the same way that a lot of the consumers now are wanting brands to take a stance on like who they are, what do you stand for? How are you supporting social causes? Do you align with my values? And are you speaking up about causes that I care about? I think they also want to see this reflected in the TV shows that they watch as well. I mean, ugh, I could talk about I May Destroy for ages. I think it's brilliant. I think the fact that it was so surprising to see a woman putting on her period pads in the toilet or a black woman putting on a headscarf before bed, like seeing that on primetime TV and being like, you know, that's so different. We've never seen it before. But, you know, the amount of like incredible positive response that it got just shows that we really need more like diverse voices. Mm -hmm. We really need to see more shows that are taking a stand and telling stories from different viewpoints. And that's what the consumer wants to see as well. And, And in particular, that consumer is Gen Z. So... Amazing. And so what are, obviously you've mentioned a few shows there that you've loved and we've spoken a lot about the kind of the biggest, most hyped shows of 2020. What are the upcoming shows that retailers need to be aware of for the rest of 2020 and also beginning 2021 slash need to plan out what I'm going to be watching if we go into a second wave? So there's a lot of like more series being released, series that people have been dedicated to watching from the beginning. So the Crown season four is coming out soon. Money High season five. There's season three of Sex Education. There's Love is Blind. You know, all those classic ones on Netflix. Make sure that you're aware of when they're coming back onto Netflix and sort of like rebuild that hype. Um, you know, they've got like dedicated followings and people already know and love those. So they're coming out soon this year. There's also really excitingly Emily in Paris. I don't know if you've heard of that one coming on Netflix on the 2nd of October. So it's the creators of Sex in the City. And it kind of looks poised to be like the new sort of Gen Z, Sex in the City and like the Devil Wears Prada, those kind of vibes. But um, yes, yeah, I think I'm super intrigued to see how, see how it'll, well, what kind of the content will be like we were just saying, is it going to take sort of any stands on, you know, feminism or social causes, or is it going to be very much like uh, nostalgic to these old films that we love? I think that's the great thing as well about revivals is that they speak to a new audience, but also the older audience who grew up loving shows like Sex and the City also would be interested in it. So there's that range in audience there. Also, keeping up with the Kardashians, their final one is next year, early next year. So, you know, start thinking about, is there something you do with the trends from there? And probably most importantly, I think everyone's been waiting for the release of Mulan. 
the live action of Mulan by Disney. So I had a quick look to check that that date's just been moved back and back, but it is now released on Disney+. Plus. It's an extra fee for subscribers, but it'll be made free for all subscribers of Disney Plus in December. Mm. So definitely, I think that's been like a big one, especially for licensing. You know, if there's any quick ways that you can jump in on that, definitely do, especially for your kids' wear retailers. And I think this just goes to show like how important streaming platforms have become because you can you know, upload and release movies there so quickly, whereas you're not having to wait for cinemas, you're not, you know, to release it in the cinema or in the physical realm, like I guess in the physical world, like I don't exist there anymore, I just exist digitally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, you know, for instance, I really want to go and see Tenant. I don't know if you've heard of, no. I've seen Tenant. It's very, I don't, I still don't know what happened, but it was very good. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> dying to see that but I can't I don't want to like track too far out of my house if I'm honest so if that was released on Netflix or any of these streams (laughs) I'd be all over it and I'm I'm really sad that I have to go outside (laughs) there's some interesting trends that you've mentioned you know thinking about nostalgia I think if you think about you know where trends are going to come from this like Emily in Paris okay so Devil Wears Prada vibes it's going to be you know that kind of gossip girly glam fashion I think I've noticed a few like skirt suits and the the great way the great thing is is that all of these already have trailers out so you can go and have a look at the trailers see what's in the key looks of uh-huh. a great way to sort of get ahead of the game there that's and a good tip like mm-hmm. go and watch the trailers because as you said like the key looks will probably be featured in the trailer and like for people that want to buy themselves time if it's a really hyped show probably going to be something to think about considering for your own assortment yeah definitely you don't have to wait until the show comes out there's going to be the trailers are out already you can probably see some like behind the scenes still so you can get some glimpses of what it's going to be about and prepare for it that way but I think as well like the crown is such a big one and instantly with the crown now I'm thinking of like cottage car and again like the dark academia trend Victorian dresses and like details like your oversized Peter Pan collars I think retailers already will have these in their assortment already because it's been such a growing trend so you know you can pin these on the crown the new show and yeah I think just look for those elements where you can sort of refresh your current what you have in your current assortment and bring it with a bit of newness and offer it to your consumer in a new way with films that they're already watching so yeah amazing so I guess looking into the crystal ball, what is the future of brand and streaming platforms from your point of view, but especially with regards to collaboration, where do you see this moving? I think like really wrapping up kind of everything that we've discussed already so far, definitely brand ambassadors we're seeing a lot more of. So, you know, this is across both fashion and beauty. So for instance, we've already seen the star from Netflix, 13's Reason Why, the actress Catherine Langford. She's the face of L'Oreal Paris, which is like a huge brand. She really became famous from the Netflix 13 Reasons Why show that Gen Z also love. And also Paul Mescal again. He's on Mr. Porter. I think he's been on GQ, uh, the new fashion icon. So definitely collaborations in that way, looking for sort of new actresses, new talent, because, you know, the faster that a brand can really like snap up who's going to be the next big actress, you know, that's what they're trying to do here really. And they're discovering that new talent from the Netflix shows. So they're getting these brand partnerships in as soon as they can then with the, with the rising talent. And I think also, you know, in video shopping. So we've already spoken a bit about, I guess, you know, like you were saying, Diana, coming back to where ASOS started, like let's find out where this character's outfit is from. You know, are we actually going to see this on the Netflix streaming platform? So there was like 
the extension of Netflix Party, if you remember, like back in sort of the March, April time where, so you could like get this extension called Netflix oh, yeah. Party with your friends while you're watching shows. You know, is there going to be some extension or a Netflix going to release something where you can click and buy on your screen? You know, like these interactive ads that have been coming yeah. out um, here and there and they haven't really taken off yet, but I think it's definitely something, you know, mixed with technology that could be really, we can all see that happening as bizarre as it sounds now. Yeah, I think, you know, can you purchase directly from Netflix? I think there's just so many innovative and, and cool ways that these collaborations could work. So keep your eyes peeled. And I feel like we've not really given Marianne much credit from normal people, but, you know, I think she looked amazing, didn't she, in her black dress and just the styling of her hair as well and just being so natural. But Heather, just to, to finish, so what is the one thing that you want our listeners to take away from this episode of the podcast? I think just as I mentioned, what our listeners can take away is just that every company, no matter what industry you're in, you know, we've talked a bit about the music industry on TikTok I think any company can learn from Netflix and stream platforms the principles of innovation and personalization. And I think those are two areas that are, you know, really since sort of the pandemic as well, they've totally accelerated. We're seeing huge leaps in technology throughout the past few months because, you know, retailers and companies and e-commerce sites have really had to evolve and adapt, make sure their business functions well as an e-commerce business, that they put new technologies and innovations into place, you know, QR codes, how everything has changed and yeah, a complete acceleration of digital tools and products. So I think the brands that are going to get involved in these new technologies and the brands that are going to be the first people to innovate, you know, who's going to be the first brand that the viewers of Netflix are able to purchase directly from the Netflix platform. Whoever that is, is really going to make headlines. And I think it doesn't even have to be as big of that. But what can you do that's sort of the first innovative thing that people are going to be talking about and yeah, yeah excited to try? Oh my God. Well, hopefully Netflix are going to get flooded with requests after this episode. Yeah. Netflix doing a um, shuffle button. No. Oh, what, like on your iPod or like your Spotify? Yeah, like shuffle. Recommendations. Yeah, recommendations for you. Wow. Oh my gosh, well, I, I feel like I'm quite particular about my genres, what I like to watch. Okay. <laughs> I've always said I really want to shuffle for The Office US because I'm obsessed with it. And yeah. I've, watched, I've, I've watched the entirety of it, with, I don't know, a few hundred times. And I want a shuffle button to just like, bring me up a random episode. <laughs> oh my God. I thought I want Netflix to do. So if Netflix, if you're listening, this is, yeah. uh, this is my next <laughs> request. Oh, well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. We absolutely love having you on. And it was so interesting to hear what you had to say. Well, thank you. I feel like we talked loads. There's so much that on this subject. And obviously, there's so many incredible films. And yeah, it's been great chatting to you. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So I feel very excited to be on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. As a listener of ours, we're here to support you as the retail industry enters a new era. If you're a customer of Edited, please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist, as they'll do everything they can to support you. For all of our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to our Insider Briefing. You can sign up at edited.com, where we'll be keeping you all updated on the latest news and strategies.
Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Heather, please make sure you subscribe to keep in the loop with future episodes. And please tell your friends or family about us. And if you have any further questions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Bye.